Hear now the word of Almighty God, inspired by his spirit, profitable for us. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God, blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, that he is God over all, that he is I am, and that he is blessed and to be worshipped and adored both now and to all eternity. So bless us as we draw near to bless you and to bless your Son, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We've considered the privileges and blessings that God showered upon his ancient people, the good that he did to them and for them, and calling them by his grace in their forefathers, and giving them an inheritance, a testament, and causing them to know his will, his manner of worship. And now we consider Christ himself, as we saw, as concerning his human nature or his flesh, he is of the Israelites, but as concerning his person, he is over all God blessed forever. First then, let's consider from verse 5, who is? There we read again, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is? Now this in Greek is a very interesting phrase. It comes from the word to be. On is the Greek. Ha on. The existing one. The one who is. In fact, this does not indicate, it's actually a play on words, it does not indicate ownership as in the previous portion of the passage where it says, whose are the fathers? It's the same two Greek letters, omega, nu, with a h at the beginning, hon, whose, and ex hon, of whom, as concerning the flesh. But now, who is ha on, he says looks exactly the same, same letters without the breathing mark. The breathing mark goes on the word ha or the, the existing one. He who is, he whose nature is always the same. Please open to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 concerning this phrase, who is the existing one. When Moses was commissioned to go to Israel to deliver them out of their bondage, Moses was not the most ready servant at the beginning. The Bible records his talking back, you might say, his unbelief, his disobedience. Exodus 3, verse 13. 
And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, Ha-on, the existing one. I am. That's the name that God gave. It's related to the name Jehovah. He who exists. I am. It's the same exact phrase in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Made by Jews. Ha'on is the name of God. Please open to Revelation chapter 1, page 1236 of your pew Bibles. Almost to the beginning, almost to the end of your Bibles. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which ha-on, him which is the existing one, and which was, and which is to come. This is God's name, his eternal name, his self-existence, in other words. He does not exist based off of others who give him life. He is the existing one itself. All receive life from him. Ha'on. I am, he calls himself. Look at verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which ha'on, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now this same phrase is used in chapter 4, verse 8, and chapter 16, verse 5 of the book of Revelation. Let's look over at chapter 11. Revelation 11, verse 17. Page 1244. Revelation 11, verse 17. We give thee thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, ha own, which art, and wast, and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power, and hast reigned. God is the existing one. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Our being is predicated on God's primary being. Without God, we don't exist. We might happen to exist. We may exist in the future. We might ex have existed in the past, but we are not the existing one. God himself is. And we exist because he exists. I note then this doctrine. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, is very and eternal God. The Son of God... The second person in the Trinity is very and eternal God. He is of one substance and equal with the Father. This is from our Confession of Faith, chapter 8, paragraph 2. He is of one substance and equal with the Father. Is the Father, I am, ha'on, so is the Son. 
He which is, and which was, and which is to come. Christ is that. Christ is the Alpha, He is the Omega, He is the beginning and the ending, which is Ha'on, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Christ is the Lord God Almighty, which art and wast Ha'on, and art to come. Christ has taken Him, His great power, and has reigned. In exhortation, then, let us honor the Son as we honor the Father. Let us honor the Son of God even as we honor the Father in heaven. Christ is no mere man. He is no humanitarian Savior. Do the good that I did and you'll be saved. No. He is God in the flesh, working salvation on our behalf. Christ does not teach self-salvation by his good example that we follow. He is the existing one. He is Lord God Almighty. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Cherish Christ in your hearts as I am, not merely some carpenter from Nazareth, some old Jew, no. God in the flesh, ha'on. Now let's turn back to Romans chapter 9, if you would please. Page 1141 of your pew Bibles. Not only is he I am, or who is, but notice, who is over all. This means to be upon or to rule over, to be the sovereign, as we say. Sove is above and reign is to be king. Sovereign is one who is king above you. Over what does Jesus reign as the existing one over all? Now the same is said here of Christ, which is said of the Father in Ephesians 4. Let's look there very briefly. Over all. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is what? Same words, above all. Who is above all? Who else is above all? Even Jesus Christ. Let's turn back to Romans 9. Who is over all God, he says in verse 5. The one constantly being, the one who has life in himself, over all emphatically God, he says. He starts with a definite article, the, then he adds things, existing one, over all, and then the noun that the word the goes with, which is God. He is the God. What kind of God? The existing over all kind of God. That's the kind of God he is. Constantly being as I am, 
and sovereign over all things. He is the God. Please open to Psalm 45, page 613. Psalm 45 addresses in prophetic style the son of David and through Solomon addresses our Savior, Jesus Christ, the greater son of David. Psalm 45, verse 1. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Now notice, who is addressed here as God? O God, whose throne and kingdom is being discussed? Well, it's obvious. This is the son of David's kingdom. This is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, spoken of prophetically as the son of David and as God himself. When you have a moment, please look up Hebrews 1, 5 through 8 this week sometime, and you will see the parallel here. Please open to Isaiah chapter 9, page 714. The Old Testament taught the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are saved by God's grace alone through faith alone, perhaps in, we might say, a little more obscure manner, but nonetheless, it is there. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. Notice, this son of David is also God, isn't he? He is the mighty God. He is the father of eternity. His name is called Wonderful, and his government shall increase on the throne of David and upon his own throne. Notice, he is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is fully man. He is fully God. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 23, please. Page 788. 788. That Christ is fully God and fully man was not invented by men. 
It is the truth of God in the Old as well as the New Testament. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called. What do you expect at this point? Do you expect some name like Ahimelech? Maybe his name will be Jesus. Maybe his name will be Simeon. What will be his name? The Lord, our righteousness. Is he the son of David? Yes. In fact, God promises to raise unto David a righteous branch. His family tree will branch out and this righteous branch will come from it. But will he be merely the son of David? No. His name by which we will call this son of David is Jehovah, our righteousness, our gospel righteousness, our everlasting righteousness, our indefectible righteousness, without spot, without blemish, by which the Father in heaven will accept us. This is the son of David. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. Please open to John chapter 1, page 1063. Ha-on, God over all. He is the existing one. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, who made all things visible and invisible? Did some creature, some angel, some man, some urge? No. All things were made by him. That is the Logos, who was with God, who was God. He is the universal creator, and without him was not even one thing made that was made. This is a common Hebrewism. First, you state it positively. He created all things. Then what do you say? Negatively. He created all things, and without him, not even one thing was made that has been made. He created everything that you see, everything that you do not see, everything that has existed, exists now, or will exist. He is the universal creator of all things. The Logos. This word that was made flesh, as we find out in verse 14 of the Gospel of John. Please open to Acts chapter 20. Concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the gospel and the government of the church. <clears throat> Many people think of Christianity in terms of what they call a relationship with Jesus. And actually, everyone has a relationship with Jesus. You don't need to get one. You can be his friend and you can be his enemy. All, all of those are relationships. They're kinds of ways that he relates to you. The question is not one of relationship, 
The question is, are you reconciled to God through the death of his son, and do you live under his laws? Here, notice, verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Notice, Paul, what are you doing? Don't you know this is just about a relationship? Why are you bringing in oversight and government? Why are you telling these people that they're to govern the flock? That has nothing to do with the gospel. Oh, yes, it does. How does Christ rule as a king? Through his ordinances, through his officers, through his church. We cannot say, I love Jesus, but I hate the government of the church. We're saying, I love Jesus and I hate Jesus. Because Jesus rules through his officers. But notice here. The Apostle Paul tells them that the Holy Ghost made them overseers, that's where we get our word episkopos or bishop from, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased, notice, with his own blood. Who purchased with his own blood? God purchased with his own blood. Does God bleed? Does God have a body? No. But the man who is God also, our Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, he bled for their sins. The blood of God. He purchased by dying upon the cross that flock. And therefore, those who are overseers are to govern them according to the whole counsel of God himself, his revelation in scripture. Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. Please turn over to Romans chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Paul was separated as an apostle under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be what? The Son of God with power. Is he the Son of David? Yes. Is he the Son of God? Yes. Was he made the Son of God? No. Was he made the Son of David? Yes. He who is existing from all eternity, God over all, the blessed God is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, not only the Father, not only the Holy Ghost, but also the Son of God himself, declared to be the Son of God. Please turn over to Colossians chapter 2, page 1189 of your pew Bibles, one one. Eight, nine. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, that is, in Christ, dwelleth, notice, 
all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Was the virgin's son a mere man? No. Was he solely God and appeared to be a man? No. Was he the fullness of what it is to be God in a bodily form? Yes. The blood of God redeemed the flock of Christ. The son of David, according to the flesh, made so by God himself, but declared to be the son of God with power by his resurrection. Don't let philosophy and empty deceit and lies mislead you. We are complete not by our own wisdom, not by man's teaching, but rather by our Savior Jesus Christ himself. In him dwelleth all the pleroma. Now if you happen to get a hold of some ancient philosophy, you will find that the pleroma is the collection of all the divine beings that exist. Much like the papists have all their saints and angels, the heathens had the same thing. In fact, that's where the papists got it, from the heathens. They had the great god, then they'd have maybe a female goddess, and they too would give birth to all the demigods. And if you took all the demigods and the great god and the woman, and you added them all together, what would you have? The pleroma the fullness of the Godhead. What is he saying? All of the divine attributes and powers, where are they? Bodily. In bodily form, the fullness, the pleroma of the Godhead dwelling in bodily form. Please turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3 concerning our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Page 1198. <clears throat> Let me just mention that there are corrupt texts that circulate that do not have this truth in it in all of these passages. But the Word of God, preserved by His singular care and providence, does. Verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Note it. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up, into glory. Here, note, a principal point of the mystery of godliness is what? God manifest in the flesh. He did not become God. He manifest himself. He showed himself in the flesh as God. Please turn to 1 John, page 1232. And let me just mention, if Christ is not fully man, he could not die for us. If Christ is not fully God, he could not add sufficient worth to that death. No fully God, fully man, no salvation. 
1 John chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Here, notice, who is the true God? Who gives us eternal life? How is it that we know what is the difference between lying and wickedness and having everlasting life? How do we know if we're from God or if we lie in wickedness? Well, he tells us the Son of God is come. It's not just a carpenter's son. God sent his Son. He is come. And furthermore, he hath given us an understanding He's given us knowledge. He's given us propositions, statements, doctrines, texts. In order that we may know him that is true. We know God through the knowledge he's given us. And we are in him that is true. Even, where are we? In his son, Jesus Christ. This one is the true God and eternal life. Who is this one? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the true God. If you sway away from him, what do you have? Idols. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, he says. I note then this doctrine. In Christ, there are two whole, perfect, and distinct natures. In Christ, there are two whole, perfect and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood. He is not merely the son of David, the son of Mary. He is also the son of God. He is not merely fully possessed of all that it means to be a man, body, and soul. He is also what it means to be fully God with the fullness of the Godhead. He is indeed Ha'on, the existing one. He is the one who exists over all as the sovereign of the universe. He is the God over all. In Christ, there are two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, Godhead and manhood. And these two are joined together such that you cannot pull them apart, inseparably joined in one person. And those two natures, they don't become like half of Jesus is his humanity and the other half. There's only one person. It's not by composition. It's not by converting his humanity into a deified humanity or by converting his deity into a humanized God. No. There is no confusion. There is no composition. There is no conversion. Two whole natures joined in one person. If you say that Jesus Christ in his flesh is omnipresent, you do not believe the gospel. 
You know who says that? The man of sin. He says that the body of Jesus Christ, his real and full human nature, can be magically transformed from bread. Why? Because he doesn't have a true body. That's what they say. No, they do not say that. They profess otherwise. No, we believe in the real humanity of Christ, do they? Let me ask you, how many places can a human body be at one time? One. What if he's in 75 million places at once? Who's in 75 million places? What sort of being exists? What sort of nature would you find? Well, God's, right? God can exist in 75 million places at once. So if you have a human nature that's present in two places at once, it's not a human nature. It's a divided body or it's a, you might say, converted human nature, converted into deity. That is heresy. Christ has two whole, perfect and distinct natures, Godhead and manhood. Are they joined in one person? Yes. Was one converted into another? No. Are they confused such that they have, you know, when you make pancakes, what do you start with? Flour, salt, eggs, milk, right? Each of them are distinct things. Then you mix them up, you confuse them, don't you? So that they become a new substance, different from flour, different from salt, different from eggs. What do we call those delicious things? Pancakes, right? Is Christ some kind of pancake mix? Put in the deity, put in the humanity, mix it all up, and now he's something third? No, that's heresy too. Fully man, fully God. Made of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared not made to be the Son of God. God with the eternal throne of his father David. Jehovah, our righteousness, the mighty God ruling upon the throne of David, God who was in the beginning with God and was God and created all things, the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, the true God and eternal life, the only preventative of idols. This doctrine concerning our Savior sums up the mystery of godliness. Namely, that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In exhortation, then, I say to each and every one of us here, believe on the Savior, Jesus Christ. Trust in him, not as some example humanitarian Christ that you follow his steps and because of that you earn your way into glory no believe on the Savior as a substitute who could die for your sins as man because God is immortal and cannot die and who could give value sufficient to his death not to be a mere substitute for one man but for the sins of all of God's people in all ages to make everlasting salvation through his eternal spirit to offer himself without spot to God. Believe on the Savior, not merely as a king to rule and govern you by his laws, though he is such, but rather as God manifest in the flesh. The Savior in whom you are complete and without whom you cannot be complete before God. 
He is the focal point of gospel ministry of the seed of David according to the flesh so that he might die in our place. Declared, though, to be victorious over death and sin and hell and the grave by his resurrection. Please turn back to Romans 9. And we'll conclude with this portion. Verse 5. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all God, blessed forever. Amen. Now, Christ is the ever-blessed God. In the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. That's not this word. That word means someone is happy or blessed by someone else. Someone gives them some good thing and blesses them. That's not this word. This word is eulogetos, eulogized, worthy to be praised in himself. He is forever worthy to be praised. When you have a chance, look up the following verses. Mark chapter 14, verse 61. They ask him this, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Ha, eulogitos, that God who is forever blessed. Are you his son? Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Romans 1, 25. Referring to the invisible attributes of God, the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians eleven thirty one, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore. And Ephesians 1, 3, also 1 Peter 1, 3, using the same language, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the absolute usage of the New Testament, hands down, no exceptions, is this. When the word blessed is used, it is never used of a mere creature. It is always used of God himself. I note then this doctrine. Christ is worthy to be praised. Christ is worthy to be blessed. He is worthy to be lifted up, to be exalted on high, to be esteemed highly by men, to be exalted in our praise. He is worthy to be blessed. He is blessed, not just now, forever, he says. In exhortation, then, bless the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul says that he is the blessed God, what does he add? Amen. I agree. I consent. I say amen to that. Add your amen to the apostles' amen. Deem Christ worthy to be praised as the mighty God who took on flesh. Deem him worthy of glory and blessing as the one who makes us complete and entire before the throne of God. Bless the Lord at all times, even all ages, world without end. 
Bless his kingdom, glorify and praise him. Lift up his name which is above every name. Live for his glory, the blessed God over all. Amen. Let's pray.